Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live, and tonight we are joined by filmmaker Francois La Rosa. Francois, thank you for being on our show. How are you doing? Great, brother. How are you? It's good to see you. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being on our show. And let's just get started. You have done pretty much a little bit of everything when it comes to uh, entertainment and Hollywood. Tell us how it all started for you. Uh, you know, I, I started acting back in 2000, but I started my production company in 2008. So I... Uh, I guess uh, my production side, I guess I'll speed it up from acting all the way up to, uh, I think I'd rather start with just the production side of things. I, I definitely was an actor for about eight years in Austin, Texas. And um, I got hooked up with some uh, really interesting people. I, I did a couple of projects with Robert Rodriguez. Um, and uh that was kind of my first classroom to product the production side. You know, whenever you're doing, you're on sets, it's a hurry, the, the mantra is hurry up and wait. <laughs> and that was actually my classroom of, uh, of what each individual facet did to uh, finish a film, whether it was sound, whether it was camera, whether it was um, um, yeah, a grip, um, even down to uh, catering, <laughs> I, got, I got to learn all the uh, the production side of it. And years later, I talk about that that it, it in, in when you're doing a film or a project like that, it takes all parts to make a working brain. And uh, that's something that I learned pretty early. Um, I started my company doing commercials. I did it for nonprofit organizations. Um, back in the day in 2008, they were coming out with podcasts. And uh, there was a lot of nonprofit organizations that um, had great websites, mm -hmm. but they didn't really have a, a podcast to show exactly what their program was about. And so I came in and I filled that niche and I did pretty good. Nice. So, yeah, nice. with that, it moved up to uh, doing commercials in Spanish. So I started doing commercials in Spanish. Uh, and I, um, I actually ended up with somebody that had a connection at the time with uh, CBS Telemundo. And so uh, we chatted a little bit and they uh, talked to me uh, that they were something about uh, they had an opening or they needed some content. I didn't think anything of it. I went down to San Antonio, Texas, and I remember I was just kind of vacationing there, having a few brewskis. I was downtown, and then I noticed two groups of people. There was probably about 30 people in each group, 30, 35, and I was looking at them, and I finally went up to them, and I asked them, what exactly are you doing? Are you waiting for something? And they said, yeah, we're, we're waiting for the ghost tour. And I thought, wow, you know, this was interesting. So with me, I always carry a uh, pad and pencil. And uh, I'm always, um, when I find something interesting, I make a note. Uh, so I made a note about this particular ghost tour. And then I broke it down into what, uh, in my mind, broke it down to demographics. Yeah. Uh, and so I noticed that the, 
Spanish community really embraced this spirituality um, of uh, ghost tours. They were really more interested. Uh, so what I did was I went on a ghost tour to check it out, and I heard the spiel, and I thought it was really interesting. And uh, you know, I went back to my hotel, and then I went home, back to came back to Austin, and um, I had already put together a package of this pilot program, this pilot project for TV called the Success for the Four. And uh, it was actually done in Spanish. It was called El Exidos de los Para los Cuatro, the Success for the Four. And uh, I, I financed it with uh, my money to do the pilot. I did a trailer. I had a poster. And uh, I was ready to go down to CBS Telemundo for my five-minute meeting to talk about this particular project that I had. Uh, but before I went down, I had my notes from my concept uh, of me being in San Antonio. I had like a two page concept, uh, nothing, you know, I didn't have a poster. I didn't have, you know, a trailer or anything. I just had a concept. So I go into my meeting at CBS Telemundo with my connection. Uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing in this, in this uh, industry. It really helps if you have connections oh, yeah. to take the next step into where you want to go. Oh yeah. Um, so I walked in and I showed him my poster. I said hello. Uh, there was a uh, three producers there, two male and one female, and I showed him my trailer and then I showed him the pilot. And uh, you know, after it was all said and done, the uh, <clears throat> the female liked it. But the guys came out with this uh, saying, and I'll never forget. They asked me, well, do you have anything else? And I know, you know what that means. You know, that's yeah. pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I said, uh, I didn't know what to say after that. But I said, you know, wait a second. I've got this. Yeah, I've got this concept. I don't have a trailer. I don't have a poster or, a, you know, I don't have anything, but this concept and I said, I'll share it with you. It's uh, this was during the time when Ghost Hunters International was on TV, mm -hmm. Dead Files was on American TV, uh, you know, uh, Plumber by Day, Ghost Hunter by Night type of thing was really taken off. You know, this these type of reality shows. So I said, this was my concept. I would get three sexy Latina females uh, they would investigate paranormal, urban legends, and hauntings, but they do it in high heels. And the guy stood up and said, there's nothing like that on TV, man. This is great. This is fantastic. You know, I, I thought, you know, so what happened, to make a long story short, they greenlit it, gave me money, and I shot the, you know, first season of it. And um, it was a success. It was the wow. first time ever uh, that first Spanish TV that it was done this way. I did a second season, but then, the, you know, that was it. That was it for me. I didn't want to do it anymore. I uh, Because I would have to go down to these hauntings or these places by myself, take photos, write notes, come back, and I would uh, put together a episode and I'd write the script in English, and then I'd hire bilingual actresses 
to go ahead and shoot it. And then we rehearse a little bit and we do it, you know, and I have to, you know, the thing about shooting these sometimes is reality shows um, is that, you know, um, and for instance, a ghost wouldn't open a door when you wanted them to open the door. You'd have to kind of, you know, cheat it a little bit. And I, I'm, I'm probably putting spoilers out there. But sometimes, you know, it, you'd have to do it to. Uh, and then there was times where it did it by itself. Uh, I think the last one I did was um, was at a hospital that uh, that I had kind of an interesting uh, thing happen. And then I decided, you know, this is good. Two seasons is good. So from the TV reality shows, I ended up getting hired to do another food reality show from a producer in L.A. in Spanish. And uh, and, you know, so from, you know, I did a couple of reality shows. I wrote, did cinematography for I directed. And then, you know, from there, it was just kind of a um, a, uh, you know, just a standstill time for me to kind of regroup and re calibrate and just kind of take it easy and enjoy the things that I've accomplished. That's a, so, that's a very yeah. interesting story. Just one question really pops into my head and I'm sorry, I'm probably going to regret asking this, but what did the oh, female uh, in the group think about the, uh, the high heel story? Uh, well, you know, I actually was concerned about it, but I had to go through 40 Latina actresses yeah, they came out of the woodwork to be a part of anything to do with CBS Telemundo. Yeah. So I already had two people that I knew that I think would be great for the show. The third one I had to really uh, audition for, and then I found the third person. Uh, I wasn't sure about her, but then in the midstream, we had to replace her with somebody else. And then... It's an interesting thing. I'm, I'm glad you said that because the second season, you know, the way it works is that, you know, when you're dealing with TV producers, not everybody, but the ones that I was dealing with, they wanted to do a second season, but they wanted to replace all three girls and get somebody mm. a little bit younger. And, you know, these are some of the behind the scenes things that, I wasn't really prepared for, you know, I, I, I learned the polit that there's politics involved in TV and film. Oh yeah. Um, behind the scenes thing. So I, I had to, you know, recast for that. And it was really hard because the, the females that were in the first one did fantastic. And so, you know, I tried to advocate for them, but you know, we, you know, I'm sorry about that. Okay. Uh, but then, you know, then after that was food reality, and then after that, um, I was at a, um, I was at a uh, interview doing a uh, uh, interview for a Spanish magazine, and a producer came in and was talking to the CEO of the magazine, and they were looking to do a uh, a featured film. Uh, here in uh, Austin, Texas. And so there was some names thrown around. I was there. I introduced myself to the producers and uh, they said that, well, well you know, uh, they checked out my credentials. They checked me out. And then I ended up uh, going 
do a couple more meetings and listening to their vision of what they wanted to do. And then they gave me uh, their budget. You know, it was still independent. You know, it was like under two million. You know, before independent films used to be like a, a million, anything under a million. But now I think it's oh, it's very low. It's like, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. So, so. Um, so was that your so, your production company's first uh, dive into into film? No, it was it was actually my second. The first one I did uh, was the reincarnation of Jezebel, and I wrote and directed that, and had to shoot some of that add-ons, and I sold that to um, a Latino American group, which ended up util you know they bought all the rights. And they uh, put it on HBO Go, I think, in Portugal. It started in Portugal and it kept going on. So that's where I finally had my name on the boards as a, um, a filmmaker uh, that uh, could do a story, could, uh, could do a big production and to do it in a, uh, under budget. And uh, I had a great producer friend of mine that I knew uh, from L.A. and also Austin. So that turned out pretty good. We did make our money back double, you know, which was great for me. But then when I did the second feature film, I did it for a studio, which the guy I was at the meeting, I was at that interview and I met the producer. That particular company was called Vega American Studios. They worked for Warner Brothers doing CGI compositing mm -hmm. and animation for Warner Brothers. But... You know, they were outsourced for they worked for Warner Brothers for about 10 years and they did animation and CGI compositing and they had to sign NDAs that they never worked on it. They never did any work on it. They just got paid and they were located in Los Angeles, but their big company was in Hyderabad, India. Yeah. So they're the ones that I they finally uh, I met them at that interview. And we had a couple meetings. I did two of their films for a million dollars. I think, yeah, it was uh, two for a million. And uh, the first one went really good. I was very happy. It was it was called Garusta. I think that was the name of it, uh, which which is uh, kind of a, a cantation, uh, kind of a spell, witchcraft type of film. And um, I did it. I completed it and I gave them the files. I did not have first cut on that. I uh, helped cast for that. I had to kind of do a little rewriting on, as for the script, but we got it off the ground. It did fantastic. The actors were just great. Uh, but it ended up in court. Some Something happened and it turned out that uh, the, the CGI compositor director had invested money in it and blah 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 you know they uh, it, it uh, ended up in court ended up in a lawsuit I didn't know what was going on I didn't have anything to do with that but um, you know I kept going to do their second film so that Garusta film will probably never be seen but I did their second film and I did it uh, I think I think the second one I think we had about maybe 500k left out of the budget to do their second one. So I did that, finished that. Um, and that one actually did very well. It, it hit theaters here at the Alamo draft houses in mm -hmm. Austin, Texas. And uh, it did a week tour, 
did about a week. <laughs> it's kind of like an Ethan Hawke film where Ethan does his film, and it lasts about a week in theaters. <laughs> but uh, that's not you know, bad. A, mo- a lot of stuff yeah, doesn't yeah, even go to theaters nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it did pretty good. I uh, we did the red carpet screening here in, in uh, Austin, and that came out pretty good. Now, but along the Okay, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like I said at the beginning of the show, you've done directing, producing. You've even done a little bit of art department work for Predators. Right. Uh, right. Where, you know, I know you own a production company, which in itself is a huge undertaking. I own a production company. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, when it comes to filmmaking, directing, producing, what not what do you personally enjoy the most doing um for me i actually enjoy uh you know i enjoy the uh story that's number one i I, you know before i get into anything i have to really enjoy the story itself the the uh and just try to chew on it, you know, drink some vino and really uh, understand it and then dissect it. Yeah. But uh, I would say I, I'm i very comfortable directing actors. I think that's one of the things because I was an actor. I, um, uh, I definitely am a, a good communicator with the, the uh, with the not only the actors but the crew as well too mm-hmm. i think you know i've seen some directors they uh you know they scream and yell and and uh you know for for me you know it starts with me if i if i if, you know i try to keep everything on an even keel i try to treat everybody with respect mm-hmm. and uh, if i was to scream or yell it would trickle down and if and it'll, yeah. it would affect a production absolutely and so uh, you know that's kind of my uh, my thing. I think I would have to say totally. Um, I'd say the I, I, I enjoy the writing substance more, but uh, directing would be my forte that I you know, I can pretty much uh, feel comfortable doing. Now, do you consider yourself a horror fan? Well, um, you know. Los Angeles has pigeonholed me as an acclaimed horror filmmaker, but uh, it's also the writing part of it. I uh, I recently uh, I, I've I've gotten some scripts where I've had to sign NDAs and just put on my add-ons and do that type of thing. I uh, I uh, you know that's something that I'm known for, and I welcome it because I made a, a good income and in, in living doing that, the horror area. Uh, I have to give kudos to uh, Lorraine Warren. I was uh, I met Lorraine a couple of years back uh, at her house in Monroe, and I got to hear some of these stories that will probably never be put on the film. And I got to see the museum itself, and that in itself was kind of a. Oh, um, so you saw the secret room museum. I saw the secret room, yeah. Nice. And uh, I probably wouldn't go back, but uh, Lorraine was so sweet to me, and Tony Spira, uh, great guy. Um, I did get to go in, and I got to uh, hear. I think they were they had just done, they just 
done Annabelle, mm -hmm. the first Annabelle. And uh, it was really an interesting time because uh, while the movie was released, I was actually there with the real doll, doll, the the real Annabelle doll. Wow. And the, the museum. And um, but there was other things in that museum that were actually, for me, more um, frightening, you know. Um, but, you know, I think uh, listening to some of the stories and some of the uh, events that happen uh, kind of, uh, you know, I took notes and I listened and I thought, well, you know, maybe I could use this later down the road. And um, um, I it actually uh, I've actually used some of these these things uh that I used in my writing for this upcoming script that I've been writing called The Possession 2. So I want to thank Tony Spira and uh, the late Lorraine Warren, who was a lovely lady, by the way. And I have to say this sidebar note. Um, when I was leaving Lorraine's house, this is how fantastic she was. Uh, she mentioned to me uh, to stay away from Ouija boards. She said, don't go near Ouija boards. Stay away from Ouija Absolutely. boards. And, and I thought, oh, okay. Well, you know, I never go near Ouija boards, man. I, I really don't. And uh, she told me it again. I thought, oh, okay. I got it. All right. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So um, the following two weeks was Halloween. And... Uh, I was getting ready to go to this big party of a friend of mine's and they put on a big Halloween party. And this one was even bigger. And as I was getting ready to walk out the door, uh, I, something triggered in me and I stopped and I said, Hey, listen, uh, uh, could you ask them, call them and ask them if they have a Ouija board there? And I, she, she thought I was what, what? And I said, yeah, please do, please do that. And so they, she called them and they said, yes, this year they were putting this old antique Ouija board in the front door where you'd have to come in and sign in on top of it. Wow. And uh, I said, uh, well, I can't go. They, they were all shocked. They said, what do you mean? I said, look, when Lorraine Warren tells me to stay, to stay away from Ouija boards, stay away from a Ouija board, I'm not going. You'd have to remove it. Yeah. And uh after it was all said and done, they did remove it and take it out of the house, away from the house, so that I could go and attend no, that. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, you know, you hear all these stories. People think it's a game and it's fun. But in reality, you don't know what you're messing with. Let's talk a little bit about the possession, too. You just mentioned it. Uh, yeah. First question, did you see the possession, the first one with uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Yes, I did. Uh, actually, I... Uh, I was uh, I was here. Uh, gosh, it must have been uh, pre-COVID. Uh, the Bacon Brothers were here, and uh, a few people next to me were was Kara Sedgwick, who played the mother mm -hmm. in the film. And uh, I did see that. I uh, happened to be. Um, I remember I was uh, something. Something happened that I ended up with a producer, or oh, it was the writer of the book, the D-Book Box. The D-Book, yeah. His name was, yeah, it was uh, Jason Haxton Ross. 
And uh, Jason was the one who bought it from Kevin. Kevin was the first owner of this D-Book box, which now is owned by Zach Baggins. Yeah, Baggins or Zach Baggins, and he has it in yeah. his Las Vegas museum. Correct, correct. Well, that that is, um, uh, Jason had it, and he, he acquired it from Kevin. And uh, I uh, happened to be talking with this producer who knew Jason, and we... And then he hooked me up with Jason and we talked at the time. Jason was in Canada, I think. And we talked for about an hour. And uh, I said he told me that he worked on uh, the possession and uh, to take a peek at it. And he was telling me some of this of his experiences about this. So I, I checked it out. Jeffrey Dean was on there. Um, great. It, it was really done really well with the iconic directors, Sam Raimi, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, Sam Raimi's done some fantastic films. Uh, so I saw it and then I called Jason back and I said, well, what's what's become of that? What's going on? And he said, well, they're, they've got a script. They're not happy with it. And uh, Sam Raimi's asking 20 million this time. For This is for the but, second one. The second one, yeah. And so what happened was the first one they did for ten million, and it made eighty-two million. It grossed eighty-two million. So the second one, you know, they weren't happy with the script. So I talked to Jason, and I said, you know what, I'm going to do a trailer, man, and I'm going to uh, do a different take on it, and then I will definitely write a um, write the trailer, and then afterwards I'll do the script. Well. I went ahead and did the trailer. I financed it myself. And it just so happens that one of the boys that I auditioned for was a fantastic actor named Tristan Riggs. And um, he was in the film. It, uh, he was in the trailer and it came out great. So I went ahead and I put it together and I sent it out to Jason, who gave it to Sam Raimi. And uh, I didn't get any feedback from it. I didn't get any feedback from it, but I know he saw it. So a couple years go by, and then I thought, okay, I've got some free time. Let me finish the script. So I finished the script. It took about, oh gosh, off and on, probably about six and a half months. Did about three drafts with it. And uh, I felt very good about it. I copyrighted it through the WGA in Los Angeles, so it's copyrighted. And I, I developed my poster, and I have a trailer. And so what happened was that boy that I had, that I casted for the trailer, his name is Tristan, ends up in a big movie with Guy Pierce, and it's on Netflix. It's called The Seventh. Please forgive me, Tristan. It's called The Seventh Something. With Guy Pierce, I think it's. I think so, you're referring to the seventh day. The seventh day. Yeah. That's that's it. And what happened was, you know, it did well. It, it ended up on Netflix, and uh, he, uh, they were doing Q and As, and they asked Tristan, "What's next for you?" He's and he just came out and said, "Well, I'm I'm waiting for Francois Larosa to to finish uh, the Possession Two script." And they said, Francois LaRosa, the possession too, well, it caught fire. I mean, 
uh, Lionsgate came out and did a video of the first one. And then it says, will the possession to be made? And then it listed my name as being the director mm -hmm. that we were already in production shooting the film. When in fact, you know, I did the trailer and I have a script, but I have not gotten the funding for it. Okay. So go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you, uh, man, that's fascinating. I, I'm, thank you for sharing, you know, that story. So what I was going to ask is, as of today, uh, you are, you know, it's been leaked, rumored, whatever, that you are directing The Possession right. 2. I did not know that you wrote the script. So that's new information there. So what is the status uh, coming straight from you from for The Possession right. Part 2? Okay, where, where I'm at right now is I'm going to be connecting with some of my connections this December in Los Angeles. I've got to go to Miami first. I've got some connections there. I'll be there on the 4th, and then when I come back, I'll be heading to Los Angeles to talk to some of my connections there. But uh, I'm, in, I'm in Victoria, Texas today, and I'll be heading back to Austin tomorrow i'm sorry saturday okay. and while i'm there i'm going to meet with alvaro rodriguez i want to sit down and have a chat with him nobody nobody really knows alvaro rodriguez that much but i mean he wrote machete he wrote predators uh, the remake he wrote uh shorts i think he did shorts but his brother's robert rodriguez mm -hmm. and uh so i'm going to sit down with him and do a sit down and see if i can uh chat with him about maybe hooking up with robert to do it here in texas um one of the reasons is if i you know i i can shoot this film but i need the you know i money yeah the money and the money it can come from troublemaker studios uh elizabeth avalon is the vice president still and i know elizabeth so i'm gonna try to Sit, do a sit down with them, one of them, uh, for sure I'll borrow, but I want to sit down with either Robert or Elizabeth and and do a uh, pitch to them to see if they're interested. I know they put Eli Roth on the map. He did a couple of movies, horror movies. Uh, just a few. And he was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a few. Yeah, and uh, he was uh, an actor in, in uh, I think, uh, Tarantino's film, I uh, forgot what it was. Uh, it was that car movie with Kurt, Kurt Russell. And I, I know, I know which one you're talking about. And it's escaping, yeah, Day yeah. was Death yeah. So Eli was in that. But uh, he was also in Tarantino's uh, Gloria, uh, Glorious Bastards, I think. Mm -hmm. So let me ask but, you a uh, question. Oh, I was, yeah. I was, sorry. I was going to ask, when it comes to the Possession franchise, does anybody, because they made the first one and whatever studio right. distributed do you have to get the rights? Uh, do they own the rights to the the if name, I, the possession, and all yeah. that? That's a good question. You know, like uh, I actually wrote a rewrite for the the Stephen King remake of the uh, Graveyard Shift, and what happened was, I'm giving you a, a, an example, is that uh, it turned out that I wanted to to rewrite it and call it the graveyard shift. So I had reached out to uh, Stephen King's people. Stephen King does sold all the rights to Paramount 
and Paramount, um, when they bought it from Stephen King, Stephen called it the night shift. Mm -hmm. And so Paramount changed the name to the graveyard shift. Well, I had to go through my attorney to do the graveyard shift uh, 2022, you know, call it like that. So I got the rights after so many, I think it's a 10 year gap. I got the rights to that. Okay. So, so with the possession, it's been over 10 years. So I know that it's not going to be a problem for me to get the, you know, as long as I don't call it the, the possession and, and I don't do a remake of it, I, I I've got a different take on it. Totally where it takes off with the crash at the end. That's when it starts. But it is uh, a continuation of the story. It is a continuation, but it's uh, it's 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 not going to be a problem because Sam Raimi and them did not write this. And it's totally, um, you know, I checked with my attorney. He told me a thumbs up. So, it's, so yeah, it's up uh, for grabs. It's up for grabs. And in fact, it's so up for grabs that a company in India did the possession too. They called it something else, I think, but it is a continuation and it did. Okay. It didn't do great. Uh, and it was, uh, it was, you know, I don't want to say it was done bad, but, uh, it would fit their standard, but they did do it. And, um, I was happy for them, but, uh, it was nothing compared to what I have here. Yeah, and I can still stay with that ten million dollar budget. I can still stay with that. So you can do the possession too with ten million dollars. Yeah, if we shoot it here in Texas. Okay. If we shoot here, if we shoot it here in Texas, because it's a right to work state, mm -hmm. and I don't have to mess with union, uh, I could do it here in in, in Texas. That is well, awesome. That is yeah. so awesome because the possession. Oh, I was just going to say the possession when it first came out was such a sleeper hit. Uh, it was. It was a hit. It was a great movie, and it was such a sleeper hit. And I'm glad somebody's finally uh, picking up the story because it is based on this Dybbuk box. It is a real right. story, uh, and there's a lot more material to be told, you know, regarding this box. And, you know, Jason Haxton Ross's uh, journal, his book, had a lot of things that weren't even in the movie. And I, you know, I thought that was gold. You know, I couldn't, I, you know, some of these things that happened to him and his family were just uh, beyond belief. Uh, and I definitely kept a portion of it in the movie. Uh, and so I also... I also had at the end Jeffrey Dean Morgan answering the phone at the end, you know, just a, an appearance. Uh, so I, I love to keep things open-ended because you just never know in this business, man. That's <laughs> awesome. Oh, thank you so much uh, for sharing that story with us. I know I'm personally cannot wait to see what you wrote and, you know, hopefully you'll get the financing and you get to start shooting soon and we get yeah. to see this film uh, besides Tristan, uh, on a $10 million budget, you know, Hollywood is all about putting the name in front of the camera. Uh, besides yeah. Tristan, uh, are there going to be a lot of new up-and-coming stars? I mean, it's all preliminary, yeah, I, you know, now. Yeah, you know, whenever you're the, the studio, or a studio, which I have already reached out to Blumhouse and Ghost House Pictures. 
I've already reached out to them. Uh, I haven't gotten a response yet, but I have recently reached out to them. Uh, they're going to require a named actor. Yeah. I know that I can get, you know, I'd love to get um, uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dean to, to come in and do a one day shoot, you know, and knock that out. So then that way he's, you know, named on there. But, you know, I was looking for some somebody to, to come in. I was looking at some of the people from American Horror Story, mm-hmm. uh, you know, utilizing, you know, uh, one of the actors there. And I just can't think of the name right now, but um, definitely thinking of utilizing uh, a male from there. Nice. Um, but, uh, you know, with the with a project like this. If I come in as a writer, uh, a screenplay writer, what they'll do is they will probably uh, pick and choose who they feel um, who would be great for this film. I would have a, some say so, but it's, you know, uh, that's the thing about studios is that they're going to they've already got their wheels turning once I sit down and, and continually discuss this. Uh, so I just got to go with what they, yeah. you know, you know, they're putting up the money. They're going to want this person and this person. And, uh, they probably will ask for my feedback, but bottom line, they're going to pick and choose who they want. Man. Yeah. Like someone like Finn Whitrock from American horror story. I mean, a lot of yep. great people out there that you yeah. can get to do this film. Wow, that is awesome. I'm glad that we got you on here and we got to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Francois, (laughs) I want to thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing all your stories, uh, you know, how you got involved in this business and to answer the big questions about The Possession 2. Horror fans love this movie. I haven't met a single person who's watched it, who has not loved it. Uh, It was probably one of the first things I've ever seen Jeffrey in, and he was amazing in it. And yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. I'm just really, really excited. Before we go, any final thoughts you want to share? I just want to say, you know, thank you for what you do. Uh, Thank you for keeping the uh, horror genre alive, and as well as the other aspects of what it takes to to uh, do a film. Uh, and I just uh, say more power to you, brother. Thank you, Francois. That means a lot. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, thank you for tuning in tonight. I want to thank my guest, yes. Francois La Rosa. Stay safe. Yeah. On behalf of Francois and myself, stay walking. Good night, everybody. Take care, guys. See you later, man.